Elizabeth Evans and I'm a homeschooling mom of four young kids. I'm figuring this out as I go, but I'm here to talk to Bonnie, who has been writing and speaking on the subject for over a decade and has been homeschooling for three decades. My name's Bonnie Landry. I've got seven kids. They're ages 13 to 33. I've been homeschooling for 29 years. I'm a wife, a mom, a grandma, um, I'm a speaker and a writer, and I'm an advocate of joy. So uh, we're here to provide this podcast so that homeschooling can look like you imagined it to be. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> Good. Enjoying the sunshine. Have you got guys got nice weather? It's off and on. It's Michigan. So we've had thunderstorms and sun today. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> It's nice here, but uh, yeah, this is supposed to be a really nice week, so we're enjoying that. So last week, uh, I mentioned that we were going to do some sort of a, a live uh, homeschool class. So that has been all put together, and so I'd like to tell you a little bit about that before we get started. So it's going to be a live Zoom class called Homeschool History, a Socratic Approach to Cozy Learning. The idea being, how do we teach social studies, how do we teach history, in a cozy family environment with multiple ages. Okay, it's going to be held on June 9th at 3 p.m. Pacific time. Okay, uh, and we're going to limit the people to 25 participants. The goal being that the, there's lots of time. I do a one hour presentation on teaching history, and then we have an hour just for live Q&A that people can, can um, bring their questions, you know, and we want to keep it fairly small so that we can accomplish that really well. So just so I'm, I'm um, not missing anything. So it includes a one hour presentation, uh, a one hour Q&A, a PDF of my book, uh, how to read a book. So it becomes the curriculum, a resource sheet for teaching history. And then the live class we'll put up on YouTube with as a, with a private link so that you can go back and access the class if you would like to. Uh, so that's that's what we're heading for. It's going to be $25 Canadian, which is about $18 American for the, the two hours. Um, so if anyone wants to participate in that, I'll put the link to this in the show notes. Uh, I already have several people signed up for it. So um, if, if the class fills up, I will just do a second one. So, um, so not to worry, no panicking. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that should be super fun. The reason why, just so people know, the reason why we thought to do this was because there are production costs involved with keeping the podcast um, going. And the response to the podcast so far has been incredible. We're really, really blown away by that. Um, and we'd like to, to see it stay afloat. So this is one way that, that we can cover our costs for keeping the podcast going and all the production costs involved in that. Um, while also supplying something that will be valuable to people. And I'm hoping to do this about once a month on different topics. So, uh, and sort of delve into more, a little more deeply, some of the topics that we're addressing, you know, uh, as our questions come in and we're getting lots of questions in. So uh, surprise, surprise. What's today's question. All right, let's go. <laughs> what do we start with? Okay. Let's start with, um, this is a question from Laura. Um, okay. And she says, we are having trouble with sibling rivalry. My approach has been more coercive. The kids are always fighting each other, resisting their chores and being disrespectful to me. How can I effectively transition to relationship parenting where joy might be possible? Wow, that's a big question. It is. Start strong. <laughs> yeah, and I love that she's asking, you know, what? where do I start? Where does relationship um, 
parenting take me in all of this? And, and how am I going to do that? What does it look like? And I would say, first of all, that's the most important question that you have to ask, because a lot of the things that she's bringing up in that sort of little series of questions are going to go away when the relationships are comfortable and strong and there, there are no threats to the relationship. So let's talk for a moment about coercion. Okay. Coercion is, uh, you know, kind of a dirty word, right? We think of it in nicer terms. We tend to, as parents, think of it in nicer terms. So we think of it as carrot and stick. We think of it as rewards and consequences, but really what it is, is coercing somebody into doing your bidding. Okay. Now, ultimately we want our kids to do our bidding. Okay. We want them to obey us. We want, uh, we want their cooperation. Okay. When we use coercion, we are actually undermining that end goal of, of having um, the relationship be intact. Okay. We're undermining it. Now we know that as adults, because if somebody tries to coerce us into doing something as opposed to seeking our cooperation, we don't like that. And we automatically get our backup. Okay. It's the same thing when you're trying to make a deal with a kid, when you're trying to coerce a kid, they, they're going to get their backs up. Okay. And I think there's very little difference between rewards and consequences. It's still some form of coercion. It's some way of applying pressure. Mm -hmm. And when we apply pressure, we don't like it. When a pressure is applied to us, we don't like it. Okay. That doesn't make for healthy adult relationships. And so we have to assume it is not going to make for healthy child parent relationships. Right. Okay. So I think that we need to be really clear about coercion and what it is, carrots and sticks, rewards and consequences, whatever you call it, it is applying pressure to get the behavior that you want to get. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, our kids want to be treated with dignity. Okay. <clears throat> and that should be our goal as parents is to see them with dignity. Okay. Like we would strive to see every other human being with dignity. And coercion undermines the inherent dignity that every human being has. Okay. But the problem that we're, uh, we're having culturally, I don't mean individual parents, but I mean, as a, as a culture is that whatever we, whatever we um, practice is what we get good at. Okay. Um, for example, I'm going to use sarcasm, sarcasm as an example. If we, if we are sarcastic, we get very good at that, right? We get very good at targeting people, picking up on their weaknesses, at diving in with our little bits of sarcasm. And, you know, we, we hone that skill, okay? Yeah. Culturally, what we're practicing is rewards and consequences, carrots and sticks, coercion. That is the milieu that we live in, okay? And so for most of us, we don't know what the alternatives to that are, okay? I think how we've ended up here, this is my take on the situation. I think how we've ended up there is that on, you know, in days gone by, there's the, the, the you know, I think Barbara Coloroso calls it the brick wall parent, right? Who, who just, they are in charge. They are in control. You are never going to get past them. You know, all of their, um, uh, what they say goes, 
right? right. And, you know, um, and you're going to catch it. You know, you're going to be severely punished if you don't uh, comply. Okay. Right. On the other side of that fence, we have, um, you know, sort of a parent who gives in to their kids, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that it's, it's ineffective. Okay. And I think carrot and stick um, or rewards and consequences feels like some sort of middle way. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, okay, I will offer these rewards or these consequences and the child will respond to them. And, and, you know, um, that's how we're going to manage behavior. Okay. Because yeah. behavior does need to be managed. You know, that's a reality that we live with. Um, so, so that's culturally where we are. It's, it's not a great place and we're seeing it, you know, that it's not a great place because first of all, carrot and stick is going to get you into trouble. Um, when, when that is your go-to with everything, that's, that's how you manage all your child's behavior. Um, there's a few things that are going to happen and this is a big, big topic. This would actually be a great topic. Uh, to just to deal with on its own. Um, when a, a child is managed that way, they're, they're going to need, you're going to need to keep upping the ante to get cooperation. Okay. The gummy bear that you dangled in front of them to get them into their car seat when they were one um, is not going to be enough to keep them from, you know, uh, sneaking out at night with their friends. Right. Okay. Or to get up in the morning at some appropriate time or, or whatever it is, you're going to have to keep um, building up, building up, building up the, um, the rewards or the consequences. Right? right. And I think it's a really important thing to note that when we're talking about rewards and consequences, we take a look at the end result of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I think fathers in particular are very sensitive to when you, when you raise the question, okay, what is the, what is the biggest um, stick you can use? Like what's the biggest uh, punishment that you could give a kid for bad behavior? Mm-hmm. Okay. What, what do you, what, what comes to your mind? Um, they're a teenager They're You find drugs in their room, whatever, you know, what's, what's uh, right. the biggest possibility? I mean, just the overall grounding or taking away car privileges or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do, they, they take your car out anyway and they crack it up and you, you're, they're completely unmanageable. What, where, where do we go from there? Oh, I don't know. I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah. You're not there. You're not thinking about it. Well, most people with older kids would answer, you kick them out. Okay. Right. Wow. I mean, ultimately the ultimate separation from you. Yeah is, is you the answer to that question. So is that really where you want to be mm-hmm. that what you've got in your back pocket is kicking the child out? Okay. Right. So, you know, let's sort of look at the other thing. What's if you can, had managed a child, not, not every child is going to come to that place where you would need to kick them out. They're that unmanageable, right? Right. Most kids are, you know, cooperative to some degree, but right. almost everybody has one kid that they're pretty sure would be the kid that you'd end up kicking out if that's the direction you were going to go. Right. Because there's always one difficult kid in a family. (laughs) Yeah. The black sheep. Exactly. Or, or just somebody who is really, if we think about that quality of not complying, we want them to go out into the world and we actually don't want them to comply. Mm -hmm. Right. We don't want them to comply with the world. We want them to be judicious about what they comply with. They want them to comply with an employer. We want them to comply with a spouse. You know, we want them to have good relationships. But with with some of the things that are going on in the world, we don't want them to comply. Some of the ideologies, 
that are out That's there, true. right? Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a good quality, mm-hmm. uh, but they're hard to raise, you know, they're hard kids to raise. So on the other end of the spectrum, you know, you, you offer carrots uh, and, and, you know, what, what are, what are the carrots we could uh, give adult children? Okay. If you just finish college, I'll buy you a car. If you just, you know, um, you know, get your degree, I'll, I'll put a down payment on a house for you. You know, I mean, really the, 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 it's limitless. Like the, 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 um, carrots that we could offer kids as adults to get them to do what we want them to do mm-hmm. are limitless. Okay. Yeah. And so most of us are, have enough common sense that we sort of cut that off at some point, right? Okay. Right. Whatever. You're going to have to live your life. And, but you know, there, you hear, do hear stories like this, you know, if you yeah. finish college, I'll buy a car, you know, or if you finish college, you know, I'll do X, Y, or Z. And you know, it's pretty ludicrous stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that you could get into. And so we would like our children to be more self-regulating than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. They yeah. wouldn't require that kind of pushing. And a lot of times as an adult, that certainly requires you just backing off. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so we have to think about, we have to be very uh, farsighted as mm-hmm. parents about what we choose to do now, what the repercussions of that might be in the future. Right. right. Yeah. Well, and I think also when I think of the carrots, I mean, I've, I've done it. My husband's done it. We it, all we, have. Yeah. We're not immune from it. But yeah. I think one thing that always struck me is it, it seems to be a, a little bit like manipulation. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're manipulating our children to get what we want. And, yeah. then, and then I see my kids doing it to each other, which I don't yeah. want. Yes, you know, of it, course. It should be this kind of a family harmonizing, not trying to, you know, continue to... I guess up the ante and try and get our yeah. way at every. But manipulation is a great word because, really, that is what we're doing, and we know how we feel when we're manipulated. Whether right. whether it's by a spouse or a friend or a family member or whatever, mm-hmm. we don't want to go there, and um, and it just gets our back up, right? So right. if we can consider that there are there are other approaches, right? So what can we do to do that? And often, if you decide to change your approach to things there will be a period of time that it takes to change. So, you know, to sort of uh, go back to Laura's question for a moment that expect it to take time. If you're in a place where there is not harmony in your relationships and even without, uh, without carrots and sticks, relationships go through disharmony. That's a reality. We know that as married couples, you know, even in really good solid, you know, marriages, we know we go through times of disharmony, right? So, so it's going to be the same with our kids, just because you have chosen the high road in terms of not manipulating or, or coercing children, there's still going to be issues you're going to have to work through. Right. 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 So, uh, well, if I may, Oh yeah, expect time. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so what would that look like? Uh, let's say I've got a child that refuses to help clean up. How can I, you know, while growing this relationship without carrots and stick, without coercion, how can I get my child to help with a chore or whatever? Right. Yeah. So I think, I think the first thing we have to do is look at, okay, how do we get the kid to do the thing? That's ultimately the big question. And it's the question we ask, you know, 500 times a day, yeah. you know, how do we get the kid to do the thing? Right. That's, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it goes right from, you know, put the socks on to, you know, use the toilet or, or whatever, you know, this, we're just constantly in this place of, 
of trying to get compliance, trying to right. gain compliance, right? So, so in a, a situation like that, here might be um, sort of a way of looking at that, right? Is okay. First of all, don't address it in the heat of the moment. Okay. Okay. Know that if your go-to has normally been carrots and sticks, it's going to take some time to de uh, de school that problem. Okay. And so expect it to happen. And sometimes depending on the age of the child or the temperament of the child, sometimes just bringing it up with them as, Hey, listen, I'm not liking this headbutting with you. Okay. But don't do it when they're in a bad mood. Don't do it in Mm -hmm. the heat of the moment, right? Do it when they're soft, do it when it's friendly. And I don't think take, take some responsibility yourself, right? I don't think, I think I get mad at you all the time and I kind of cranky with you and I would I would like to not be having that relationship with you. My relationship matters to, with you matters more than anything to me. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think I'm giving great example by just harping at you or arguing with you. So, but, you know, that said, you know, we all need to help out with household chores. So I, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to problem solve with you about this. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's, so first of all, it says a lot to them that, that the relationship matters enough to you that you want to change it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you want to reach out to them to say, you know, what, how is it we can fix this problem? Cause they know it's a problem, right? The kid yeah. knows it's a problem for sure. You know, and their first response might not be great. It might be great. Depends on the, uh, it depends on the temperament of the kid, but you know, their first response might be, was well, a stupid conversation, you know, like you don't know how they're going to respond. Right. But you know, you need to keep coming back to it, right? And and I think one of the ways that we have to do that is certainly initially is just by backing off, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe they say, you know, oh, well, I hate doing that job because maybe they've got legitimate reasons why they hate that job. Right after supper, I want to go play, you know, um, basketball or whatever. Uh, okay, well, well, let's think about that. Is if we all pitched in, and we all did it together and it only took five minutes for each of us so that we could all go to our various chores. Mm-hmm. Would that look better for you? Right. And then, you know, maybe we, instead of it being your job to do the dishes one night that we all pitch in, we all get the job done. Um, you know, and well, may I, you know, I hate vacuuming, vacuuming is, you know, something I just hate to do. Okay. So in what other ways could you offer your services? right? What, you know, sometimes I'm going to have to ask you to vacuum. Uh, Would it be easier if I just put a time limit on, on the chores that you do? And I'll give you a little list and you just keep going through the list. Or would it be easier if we discussed maybe what people, maybe somebody else would prefer to vacuum than, than, you know, fold laundry. So, uh, you know, let's problem solve. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that I think carries you a long way with kids about gaining their trust, gaining you know, some traction in the relationship if it's compromised. And yeah. certainly if you've been in a place that's really poor, you know, it's a way of, of kind of getting back on track. Right. Yeah. And, but sometimes it requires some, definitely some backing off, but I, number one thing, not in the heat of the moment. Okay. Yeah. That's right? good. Talk about it at a time when it's soft. Right. Yeah. yeah. I actually, my son was upset this evening because he was very hungry he, he likes to graze all throughout the day. And so we get to a point where you have to wait for dinner, no more snacking. And he was mad and I knew he was mad and it was kind of a miscommunication on my part. So I just, he's upset and I just hugged him and let him be upset. And I didn't, you know, I, I didn't try and 
talk him into a better mood, but I just hugged him and I apologized and, you know, he went on his way and we had dinner and I mean, it was fine, but yeah, I, I, I think I just connected what you were just saying with, I didn't try and, you know, yell at him or sternly, well, you should have listened earlier when I told you to get your snack and you didn't. And, you know, yeah, it just doesn't get us anywhere. Right. No. Yeah. I mean, you can actually say the same words like, Oh, maybe tomorrow when I remind you to get a snack, you should just, you know, do that. And then you won't be feeling this way. And they might, you know, if they're four, they might throw themselves on the ground because you fit. We don't have to react to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Darn boy. Sometimes when you don't have a snack, it leads to a hissy fit, you know, and, um, you know, and that's, that's hard. Yeah. But, oh, well, you know, we, and so I think a lot of times as parents, we get sucked quite regularly into the emotions. Right. Yeah. And so our emotions end up, you know, getting involved. Right. And, um, you know, so if we can sort of stay, there's a great uh, line in the catechism. <laughs> we talk about lines in the catechism. Um, but there's a great quote from the catechism on in family life i'll try and find the um the uh which number it is and and put it in there but i just i just love it it says parents are obliged to provide disinterested service when i first read that years ago i first read that and i thought disinterested service that doesn't sound very loving you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but as i thought about the word disinterested doesn't mean not loving or not caring it means that we don't become emotional about something that's not our issue right Right. so we we provide disinterested service so that we are we're at the service of our family and sometimes at the service of our family means saying no to them Mm -hmm. you know or not allowing things but uh we don't have to get emotionally involved you right. know, oh darn, you know, that no really, that really upset you. That's, yeah, right. that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I, my husband and I are both actually learning a lot from Fred Rogers. We've watched his documentary oh, and we just rented and watched fabulous. the, what's the movie? Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood that just came Isn't out. that spectacular? Oh, so one, I mean, yeah. I was watching it and I thought, this is how I should be talking to my kids. You know, when, Years ago, I was actually one of those critics of him. Right. You know? And now as a parent seeing, you know, I'm forming these children to go out into yeah. the world. I want home to be where they feel safe and loved because once they leave the house, there's going to be moments where they don't feel safe and they don't yeah. feel loved. Yeah. And I want them to know they can always come back home. And so watching Fred Rogers as a parent now, and seeing how he cared for every single person he met because of their individuality and that they were a person yeah. and, you know, loved by God. It was yeah. just like, so okay, nice. that's well, you what know, I have to do. Two, two things that sort of pop into my mind about that, the idea of Fred Rogers. First of all, uh, he didn't shy away from anything. There was no topic that was, you know, off the table. And, um, then we've actually got a book uh, we've had it for years now that's called um letters to mr rogers or something like that and they're letters that kids sent to him and sometimes very hard topics and the way he responded to them is just so beautiful but also in that movie that to me was the poignant message in that movie was fred rogers teaches every adult he encounters exactly the same way he teaches uh, responds to every kid he encounters yeah right it's not different no. Yeah. It's not different. Right. And so, yeah. So if you haven't seen that movie, I would highly recommend. I think it's a great parenting lesson. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
let's see, did we answer? Um, okay, how about let's talk about um, when kids are fighting with each other, like sibling right. rivalry. How, right. as parents, can we address that? Yeah, so again, I think that a lot of the a lot of the uh, drain of emotions happens when people are feeling safe and comfortable in their relationship with you and they don't feel threatened and all of that. So I think that you would see a lot of sibling rivalry drain away because of that, but not all of it. It's still going to happen. Um, so first of all, we have to keep people safe. So if, if you actually see people going at it, you know, um, you, we have to get in between them. Right. And so that's something that I think sometimes we have to physically just like, whoa, and that doesn't have to be mean, just, whoa, you guys are, and it doesn't matter whose fault it is. We don't even need to find out right now. We mm -hmm. just need to separate. Um, okay. There's something, something big and, and it, you know, put words to it. Something really big is going on here. I'm not sure what that is, but you guys need to be away from each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they're just diffusing a situation is, is often our best thing. And then talking about the situation when they're soft, right? right. When, when the, the emotions aren't high, you know, so if you have two kids are going at it, we just need to, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. You need to be over here and you need to be over here. And, um, you know, I'm not an advocate of putting kids in their room when they're misbehaving. That might be a situation where, um, you know, we would say, okay, listen, not as a punishment, just as a safety measure, you know, you need, you're out of control. You guys just need to be away from each other. Pick a room, could be your bedroom, could be whatever room, but be in different rooms right now. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, you know, when they're soft, having a conversation with them about it, right. Mm -hmm. That, you know, okay, so what happened there, you know, and it might've been a buildup. It might not have been that event, mm -hmm. right. It might've been a buildup of, ongoing things that you know one of the siblings is always poking the other one <clears throat> right and getting a rise out of them maybe the other sibling is a poker without without ever being noted for that I mean, some people are loud and you know you always know they're poking other ones are quiet and getting in digs um without you realizing right so you know sometimes talking separately like you know that really blew up i don't know what happened there and the more that kids feel like somebody's going to come alongside them and hear them, yeah. you know, the more likely it is that they will also recognize maybe where they went wrong, you know, and we can sort of start problem solving from that point of view is like, okay, you know, do you think maybe you were overtired? Do you think you were hungry? Do you think that there was some things that led up to that? Um, you know, do you think you could have come to me earlier mm -hmm. and we could have, uh, you know, maybe talk to your brother about what was going on and how, how we, you know, could avoid those situations. Right. Yeah. You know, and sometimes we have to sort of step back and think about, okay, how we, how would we talk to our spouse in this circumstance? Like maybe, you, you know, you and your spouse end up in a big fight, you know, and eventually, you know, it all sort of go, you know, goes away and whatever, but it got bad, it got ugly or whatever before, before that happened. Often as adults, that's what we do is we think, okay, you know what, you recognize what I did wrong. I recognize what you did wrong. You know, if we can both be big enough to say, okay, here was what I did. Here's what you did. Um, you know, but what, what was the underlying thing? You know, maybe I was already on edge because of something that happened at work, or maybe you were already on edge because you've been up every night with the baby for the last, you know, you know, three months <laughs> or however long, you know, that, um, you know, maybe we just need a chance to sort of drain a little bit more, you know, maybe I'm just missing you and we, have, we don't get a, time, a chance to talk. So, um, 
you know, what led to the circumstances that led to this. But the more we feel heard, the yeah. more we're able to express what it is that, that led to that. Things rarely just, you know, spark out of nowhere, right? right? Yeah. There's almost always some lead up to that. Yeah. I've been working for, it's taken months. I have, one of my sons has, he just falls to pieces anytime something's not going as he's planned. Right. And once he gets to that point, it's, he, it's too far. He's, he's gone. <laughs> There's no reasoning, no really talking with him. And so with his piano teacher and um, just in our own observations, we're learning to get to him before he gets past the point of no return. Right. Yeah. Um, so like with piano, if he's starting to lose it, his teacher now says, do you need to, to jump around? Do you need to get your wiggles out? He's right. five. Um, yeah. And so now he's to the point where he will tell us, I, I need to get my wiggles out. Or right. wow, if, if he's huge. struggling with, with a math worksheet, I'll tell him you need time, you know, go play, go do something else. And he'll come back and he'll explain why he's getting frustrated. He said, I don't yeah. understand this. Um, and yeah. so I, I, all that to say it, it takes sometimes a long time, but kids will get to the point if you kind of help instruct them on how to be able to function when most people don't know how to function. Exactly. You know, that's a, that's a skill a lot of adults don't have. True. Yeah. You know, <laughs> not recognizing when they're, you know, getting wound up. We all have moments when, when we're like that, but you know, a lot of us, we know adults, all of us know adults who consistently are not in control of their emotions. Right. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, that's a really beautiful gift to to give your child, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if memory serves, and it often doesn't, <laughs> um, that the the um, mom who asked this question has has had her kids in school, I believe. Okay. And it's one of the things that that we will all notice when when our kids come home, and not that this is strictly uh, something that homeschoolers can do, but it is something that we note as homeschoolers, is because we're really intimately involved in all the little aspects of their education, we do pick up on cues when they are starting to go south, you know, and, um, and we can avoid those, you know, throwing the book across the room moments. Um, if we are sensitive to it, mm -hmm. it's, it's easier to be sensitive in a sense and easier to build that skill. If a, if you're open to it and B, if you're with your kids all the time, right. That's something that we're, we're, uh, you know, we can really use to our advantage. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You yeah. Know, sort of those intimate cues. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's move on. Um, but I think it's sticking around the same type of topic of, I guess, difficult children, right? right. And I'm saying this in quotes for people listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Sylvie asks, what do you do when your difficult child refuses to join for reading books together? Right. Like reading aloud as a family. I'm yeah. guessing that's what she means by that. Um, okay, so a couple of things. First of all, all children are difficult sometimes. Mm -hmm. Okay, some children are difficult all the time, right? So, so sometimes we're really caught off guard by a child who's always been kind of pretty compliant and pretty easy to get along with, and suddenly they're difficult. So the skills that you learn with your difficult children mm -hmm. are skills that serve you really well, right? Um, and so I think that we really have to be super grateful for our kids' 
who are difficult because I think that they are, and I think we even have to find a different word than difficult. I think we have to yeah. um, find more positive words because those are the kids we really learn parenting skills with, right? right. Well, and that's and why I said it in quotes. Exactly. Because, yeah, yeah, I got that. And, and um, that, you know, so, okay. My take on that. Now, sometimes that's age uh, dependent. Okay. With little kids, if they, I kind of corral my kids when I'm reading them, reading out loud to them. Mm -hmm. So we eat, eat around a meal. So they're naturally sort of there for the meal part. But because I had toddlers and whatnot, I think I've said this before that I would gate off, you know, sort of our kitchen area so that while I was reading, I wasn't have to, having to chase toddlers or be worried about where they were. Right. So they're kind of in a sense forced to, to be where I am. Mm -hmm. um, now with a bigger kid, they are going to be able to step over a baby gate or, or go, you know, go away. Um, my inclination would just be to let them go. Mm -hmm. Okay. So say you're dealing with a 10 year old and you're having some relational issues. I would not make that the mountain I would die on. Okay. okay. Even if I was wanting them to learn something, if you make them stay there, even if you could, we can't really make people do things, but if, if even if we could, if they were compliant enough, they'd fine. Okay. I'll stay here because you, you know, made some threat or made some promise to them or whatever. Mm -hmm. if, if they're not going to learn anything, right. Right. They're not going to learn anything if they don't want to be there. What we're, we're going to have more success with that. Mm -hmm. If we foster a, an environment where they want to be there. Okay. So again, it goes back to working on the relationship, right? Let's work on the relationship and get them to a place. You know, if they don't want to sit in with this book, you know, let's, let's just not make that a deal right now. Right. Okay. Uh, I could see that that could lead to a family problem if somebody else wants to, you know, not read the book. So, you know, be really judicious in what you're to make it a book you that they want to be there for. So if you have other kids saying, I don't want to do this, maybe be more judicious about what you're choosing to read. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, or, or have the kids, you know, give some input into, uh, what you are reading together as a family, you know, don't make, that's, that's my inclination would be to not make that something forced, right? right. Yeah. Create an environment where that is pleasant. That's a pleasant experience. Right. Okay. So I would tend to back right off that and, and look at the bigger picture of the relationship and what's going on there and why the child isn't cooperating. The bottom line is, if you had a child, say they were a preteen or teenager or whatever, and they opted to never sit and read the family books with you ever because they were, you know, I mean, they lose out, right? Mm -hmm. You have to approach things in a different way. Um, but it's, it's not, I mean, I think reading aloud is one of the foundations of, of beautiful family education. Yeah. But if it's going to be problematic, there's other ways to learn things things other than that right? right and so it's the child who loses out and eventually they're probably going to figure out that they're losing out but my guess is that that's more of a, a relational thing you know okay. that we we uh work on the relationship so that we create that environment right yeah. i know for um me personally when i read aloud i let especially the younger ones they just play and my mm -hmm. only rule is if you're talking louder or as loud as me then I can't hear myself read. So yeah, we keep exactly. it whisper voices and 
Um, yeah. And most of the time they end up stopping playing and they just sit and listen. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, even my older kids would often, and my girls would like, um, bring crocheting or something like that or draw, they would just draw, yeah. uh, or I'd put Play-Doh on the table and then they could just be, you know, playing Play-Doh. Yeah. You know, so sometimes maybe appealing to that child's uh, interest too is, you know, my boys used to bring up their Playmobil, their little, all their little army guys and knights yeah. and stuff. And they would be sort of acting things out as I was doing this or putting yeah. different armor on them or whatever, you know, and, uh, and that's okay. As long as it was a quiet activity. Right. Um, you know, so sometimes it's, we can get into this bad place because we're saying, okay, we'll just sit still and listen, right. you know, and some kids don't listen very well when they're sitting still. So, so give them something, you know, right. to, to work on sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, okay. How about what product would you recommend for tutoring or teaching a six-year-old how to read who hasn't had a great education up until now? This question comes from Mary. Okay. okay. So I would always default if I was giving advice to how to teach language arts to a child to dictation because I think that dictation is the most beautiful, cozy, effective, underrated way that we can teach children all of language arts, including how to read. And so if reading is the thing in question, if you start doing dictation with a child, and we don't have enough time left to explore dictation more fully, but you know, absolutely, it's going to come up in episode after episode, I'm sure, because I'm such an advocate of of dictation as being the most effective way of teaching language arts. So, so I would say, grab some information. I'll put some posts in the show notes about okay. dictation and how to approach that. And maybe uh, one of my videos on YouTube, I'll pop that into the show notes as well. You know, think about language arts in a different way, but it's an, it's a phenomenal way to teach a child. It's very intimate. It's very one-on-one. -on -one. It's very based on exactly where the child's, uh, skill and age level is at any mm -hmm. given time and their reading level. So wherever they're at, even if they're not reading at all, you can start dictation and they will read and learn phonics and all the other aspects of reading via dictation. So okay. yeah, so big topic, but let's address that. Um, maybe even next week we could. Okay. So the, uh, the next question is from Alex. Uh, she wants to know, does your routine change during pregnancy and postpartum? <laughs> Um, completely. So, so I have seven kids. So my routine always changed during pregnancy. And the biggest way that that changed was that I mostly laid on the couch all day <laughs> for, for the first three months. Now that's very in, individual. Okay. Some people don't have, you know, tough pregnancies. I had a really severe morning sickness when I was, uh, when I was pregnant. Um, but the rest of my pregnancy was usually pretty good. I was, you know, tired. But then after I had the baby, I always boink, was sort of back into my sort of normal energetic um, state. For some people, that's not the case. They have a, a time of, of being, um, you know, maybe on a low ebb postpartum or, uh, you know, var the various things. So, so what, whenever you experience that, whether it's for the whole 12 months of, you know, um, first finding out you're pregnant and that initial postpartum period or whatever, consider these thoughts for, for that whole period of time. Mm -hmm. um, that basically I always studied history, an era of history with my kids every year. We'd sort of choose an era and stick with that. When I was pregnant, 
I didn't really do social studies at all with my kids. I would just read some of the beautiful books that didn't require a lot of delving into. Okay. So that kind of gave me a break from one aspect of, uh, you know, just one more thing in your day. It's what I love. I mean, I love history more than anything in terms of uh, school subjects, but it was sort of a break to not be thinking about writing or resources or um, supplementing our history study. So we would read things like Lord of the Rings or, um, you know, The Hobbit or The Hunger Games or, you know, something that um, is beautiful fiction that you want to get around to, but often didn't fit into uh, sort of a, a social studies okay. um, kind of subject area. So that was the biggest way. And we just ramped everything down, right? And so my routine, um, you know, as a pregnant mom was just to do a lot less, okay. right? And kind of take care of of my own needs and, you know, be be sort of very gentle with myself, right? Okay. And I think that that's something we always need to be a little bit sensitive about. But when we're in greater need, mm -hmm. that absolutely we can just we can just sort of ramp it back and do the basics. You know, read to your kids. You know, if you if you need to do a little bit of math, you know, keep it just very minimal. Mm -hmm. uh, know that taking time off from doing things isn't going to hurt anybody, right? Okay. Uh, we can get into this mindset if we're not doing X amount of stuff every day that, that, you know, somehow we're failing, right? Mm -hmm. Kids will leap ahead in their knowledge and understanding of things. Even when we take breaks regularly, I'm just sort of looking at that from a little bit bigger perspective. We had a, about three different years. So we've been homeschooling for 29 years. There was about three different years in that where essentially we took the year off uh, because we were having some, you know, severe illness and issues in the house that, that could not be dealt with. One of them was, I was very, very sick one year, mm -hmm. um, about 13 years ago. And, you know, so, I mean, I had high schoolers and they had some things they did on their own. Uh, but, you know, in terms of what we did, basically I just read to the kids and those who were old enough to do what they could do on their own did. And those who weren't, you know, we just basically took the year off, had a very ramped down, um, kind of a year and, and they learned a lot about how to take care of our sick mother, um, yeah. you know, and so there's, there's huge value in that, okay. right? Every pregnancy also, by the way, is a science study. So you can't deny that every time you look at your app to look at what your, you know, baby in the womb is looking like this week and next week and at three months and five months and whatever, it's a science study, right? Yeah. And you you just cannot deny it's the best science study possible right. in terms of, of uh, human growth and reproduction, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know, we, we, we just can't get away from that. So even when you think you're not doing nothing, you're absolutely doing something. I just put up a blog post. It's an older post that I put on my new site um, called Five Minute Education. And I'll pop that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Just looking at the value of just doing things up close for a few minutes at a time and how much value there is in that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so at those times in our life, we can really fall back on that idea that we can just do less and allow the learning and wonder to happen uh, by doing less. Yeah. You know? yeah. So uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, highly, highly recommend changing up your routine. <laughs> I, think, I think we'll need to have a, a show mainly focused on, pregnancy and postpartum teaching yeah, because I think I think it's a good idea actually yeah because I even as you were talking I was sitting there thinking well I'm 
a very scrupulous person and I'm still in the mindset of checking off boxes. Yeah. And you know, we've got to get finished with X, Y, and Z to have a full year, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, no, I think it's a great idea actually uh, to, to spend a whole, um, you know, come up with a few questions that are all based around that, that people have submitted and, um, you know, and not just pregnancy postpartum, but all the sort of years that are difficult, right. Or situations that are difficult. Um, you know, somebody in the family gets sick or, or, uh, something, you know, like COVID happens, right? right? Okay. What, how, how do we deal with that? How do we, uh, how do we cut back? How do we manage the situation right. um, and get the most out of it? Right. Yeah. Not just tolerate it or not just get through it by the, you know, gritting our teeth, but how do we actually make the most of, of something like this when we're sort of in dire need? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So good topic. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say before we finish up, I, um, I've been this past week or two, I've been making more of a point of just kind of enjoying my kids. And I have had so much fun watching them play or I'll sit and we'll, we were reading, um, Peter and the star catcher and we hear about the crocodile named Mr. Grin and, um, he's 25 (laughs) feet long and his teeth are, you know, huge. And so we got out our measuring tape and we measured 25 feet and we looked up how big alligator teeth are. And, you know, we just made a lesson out of it, which I never thought to do with a fictional book. Yeah. Oh, there's so much, there's so many lessons in fiction. Oh my gosh. It's inexhaustible actually. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm learning from you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, before we wrap up, I just want to remind people, don't forget to send in your questions. If we get, uh, we have gotten some similar questions. So we sort of compile them to, to put them into one question and um, we'll deal as many as we can in any given um, episode. Uh, but it's fantastic. We've received so many fabulous questions. So you can message me via Instagram on my Facebook page, make joy normal, either by private message or just post it on my Facebook page. Um, my email is on my blog. If you want to go to um, my website, bonnielandry.ca. Uh, and also our, our um, podcast is on YouTube as a video as well. So you can listen to it as a um, podcast or you can watch it on YouTube if you want to see how adorable Elizabeth and I are in person. <laughs> And um, don't forget on YouTube to like and subscribe because uh, that's how we're going to get the word out there more effectively. So uh, God bless and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.